Philippians chapter number four. Amen. All right. So we've been ministering for the last little while concerning the formula, what I find it as the formula for uh, Christian success. And of course, we've taken any number of uh, what I call supplementary courses and sessions in regards to that area of ministry. And I think for the most part, what we're going to begin doing uh, is kind of on Sundays, we will concentrate heavily on the formula area. And during the midweek, we'll do it with some of the areas of the supplement. And so we will begin and look some more at gifts of the spirit on the midweek and talking about some of those areas. But this morning, my assignment lies here back at the formula. We looked at this from First uh, Peter chapter number one. And we looked at the different areas in regards to the formula for what we define as Christian success. The first area we said was that the Bible says start with faith. Add to your faith. Add to your faith. Com complementing your basic faith. Begin in faith. And so we said in regards to that, there are five areas that you really need to be established in where your faith is concerned to make it pretty much the basic area of your faith. The first area is faith in God's love for you. That God loves you. That God loves you. Everything else is going to rise and fall in your walk with God as to whether or not you really believe that God loves you. Do I believe, am I convinced that God loves me? Number two, we said you need to be establishing the fact of faith in your new identity. You are what he says that you are. I don't identify myself as sinner. I identify myself with who Jesus says I am. He says I am a son. He says I'm a kingdom citizen. He says I'm loved of the Father. He says I've been brought, once that was a fall, but I've been, been brought near by the blood of Jesus. And I have to be, have faith in the fact that I am what Jesus says I am. I am what the Bible says I am. I can do what the Bible says I can do. And I got to develop in regards to my identity. The third thing we said, we need to have faith in God's ability, that God's ability is limitless, even though yours is limited. Thank God we serve a limitless God. Number four, we said we have to have faith in God's promises towards me, his promises towards me. That the Bible says that the promises of God are in him, yes and amen. He already said yes. So when I find a promise, no good, with, good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly before him. So I got to have faith in the fact that what God said is true and it is possible for me. And then we said, number five, that we have to have faith in the fact that faith in God's agenda, his methods, his uh, directions, and his vision for my life. Well, in order for me to have faith in his agenda for my life means I have to have a surrendered life, a surrendered life that my life is no longer my own, but my life is now a product of what God wants in my life, where he wants me to go. That's where I go, where he wants me to be. That's where I'll be. The old song we used to sing in the Baptist church, Jesus is mine everywhere I am, everywhere I be. <laughs> but. The concept is still true, that whatever God determines his agenda, that's where I say I am surrendering God to your agenda over, in fact, mine. And so then we said in regards to this formula, the next area is to add virtue. Another translation says goodness, more excellence and good character. The next area was to add knowledge, and that's where we've spent a lot of time looking at the various supplements in regards to spiritual understanding spiritual understanding. 
The next area is this area of self-control. This area of self-control. And directly following that is this area of steadfastness or patience. Steadfastness and patience. Then he says add godliness and then add brotherly affection. And then he says add love. But this morning we're going to kind of float between these two at self-control and at steadfastness for our assignment this morning. Self-control. Self-control. Now, notice he uses the term in, in Peter to add self-control, which means God doesn't control you. It's something that is imposed by your will. That I am going to be a person that is self-governed. I'm going to, another translation says, alert discipline. I am a person that I am not going to be governed by that. I'm going to be governed by this. And it is an act of the will to have self-control within your life. It is a fruit of the spirit that the Holy Ghost begins to develop on the, on the inside of every believer that you begin manifesting in your life this area of self-governance or self-control. Well, one of the areas I want to focus in on this morning in regards to this area of self-control is this area of contentment. Contentment. How to be content or the power of contentment because if God's calling us to be self-governed, to be self-controlled, a part of being self-governed or being self-controlled is this area of contentment. And contentment has a tendency to be something that we kind of gloss over and say, yeah, it's amen, Reverend. But until you're faced with God saying, I need you to learn how to be content, then you never really walk in this area in your life. For this, let's look, if you will, we're going to look at a foundation of our text scripture this morning at Philippians chapter number four and verse 11. Philippians chapter four and verse 11. And the scripture says out of the King James Version of the Bible, not that I say in respect of one. Notice he says, for I have learned in whatever state I am, therewith to be content. Verse 12 says, I know how to abase and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abase and to suffer. Verse 11 once again says, not that I speak in respect to one, I'm not speaking because I need something. Let me be clear in that. That's what Paul is saying essentially. But he says, I have learned something. I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. Now the expanded version of the Bible says verse 11 this way. I am not telling you this because I need anything. For I have learned to be satisfied, content, whatever the circumstances or with whatever I have. I've learned to be content. Now, when, every time I look at that particular passage of scripture, one of the things that really sticks out to me that blesses me tremendously is that Paul doesn't say, I am content. He doesn't say that I've learned, I, I am satisfied. But he in fact says, I have, and he institutes this word, learned to be content. Because Paul does experience a lot of things in his life. Many scholars believe that Paul's writing to the Philippian church at the latter portion of his life. 
when he's in Roman captivity. So he's close or he's near death at this point in his life. And he says, I want to tell you Philippian church about something. I've learned a concept in my life. I've learned the power of being content. Well, in order for me to be content, that means I have to be a person that's self-governed. I have to be a person of self-control. I've learned in the process of life that, yeah, you got some ups, yeah, you got some downs, but that should not be something that happens internally. I've learned to be content, he says. So when I look at that particular passage of scripture, it says, well, if Paul had to learn it, that means it's all right if I'm learning how to be content and I shouldn't put myself down if I hadn't gotten all the way there in every area of my life. Now, yeah, you might be content here, but struggling there. God says, okay, I'm still developing you to learn how to be content. Even when you up and you can't figure out what's the next move, God says, I need you to be content. When you're down and you can't figure out what the next move is, God says, I still need you to be content. Now, what does content mean, though? What does it mean to be content? If we are to operate in this area of self-control, what do you mean in regards to content? The Strong's Dictionary, or the Strong's Concordance, rather, defines this word content here from a Greek word, which means self-complacent. Self-complacent. Now, Vine's expository dictionary of the New Testament says that content is found as sufficient in oneself. It literally means auto. It means the word auto there is self. It means a self-sufficient, inadequate, or needing no assistance. That's what it means to be content. Now, we looked that up a little bit further. The Oxford Dictionary literally means to accept as adequate despite wanting more or better. Let me say that again. The Oxford Dictionary says to accept as adequate despite wanting more or better. That I have learned that, yeah, I might need some more, or I might need some more instructions, but I've learned to settle myself down to say, no, I'm not going to be alarmed. I'm going to be content. Philippians chapter four. Let's look at, at verse number four. Let's back up a little bit. Because when I read that so many years ago, and as I continue to meditate in regards to that, I look at that and I'm like, okay, so what's the context? Because I need to see something here. Paul, if you're telling me that, that you learned this, then what is it contextually that you're telling me that you've learned before you make this major statement? He says, verse number four, let's start there. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now we read that and say, yeah, I say mine, reverend, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. But notice how it says uh, the expanded version of the Bible. It says, be full of joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, be full of joy. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about what the joy of the Lord is. The scripture indicates to us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And then we begin to extrapolate from that the fact that when he says count it all joy, count it all joy in James, we understand that what he's saying is essentially count what you know about God as the strength to be able to get through. When you begin to know something about God, now when he says rejoice in the Lord, 
count what you know about God, and then he says, be full of joy, always in the Lord, and what you know about him. That means it must be in my life that God wants me to be in a position where I am continuously fellowshipping with him, getting to know him more, understanding more about him, and that is what is going to give you joy in the midst of storms, and that's what allows you to operate in areas of contentment. He says, be full of joy out of the expanded in the Lord always. And I say again, be full of joy. Now, notice verse number five. <clears throat> verse number five says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, I was reading that and I said, bless God, amen, that's nice. Let your moderation, he says, be known unto all men. But if you look at that, uh, do I have it in the other translation? Awesome. In the expanded version, it says, let everyone see that you are gentle, kind, considerate, patient. The Lord is coming soon or close at hand or near. But he says, let everyone see that you are gentle. Let everyone see that you are kind, considerate, and patient. You know, you can't be considerate, you can't be kind, you can't be gentle, you can't be patient if you are self-sufficient. When it's not, when you are relying completely on yourself. When you know something about God, when you're full of joy, you know that regardless of what's going on in your life, God still got you. Because I have faith that in what he says I am. I have faith in his ability. And so therefore, when people see you, I can still be gentle and not an impatient person because my confidence is not in me. It's in the sufficiency of my God. He says, people watching you, y'all, let your moderation be known unto all men because people are watching. The Lord is at hand and he's using your life and how you operate in order to minister to other people. So when you don't freak out, when you don't have, when you just don't cuss folk out, when you don't just throw everything out, it's ministering to somebody else. That, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. See, you have something that's on you that's able to carry you to the other side when other folk are freaking out. He says, verse number six, how so though? Verse number six is where we find how you can do that. How am I full of joy? How, how can I let my moderation be known to men? Verse six says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request, let your request be made known unto God. The expanded Bible says, do not worry or be anxious about anything. The Amplified literally says, do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in every circumstance, every circumstance and situation by prayer and supplication, he says, make your request known to God, which means it must be that faith begins where the will of God is known. Thanksgiving before manifestation. Thanksgiving before you see anything. He says, by prayer, spending the time with God and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. What request? Well, the request, the thing that's on my heart in regards to God, I need you to move in this way. God, I need that to happen in that way. Well, what promise do you have in regards to that? Number two, we see within the scripture as well. He says, but don't have anxiety about anything. So the thing that's on my heart, when I spend time with God, I need to start releasing that to God. It's, it's bothering me, God. But I'm full of joy. 
I'm full of joy and I'm operating in patience. I'm operating in peace because I'm full of joy because of what I know about God. He loves me. He's concerned about me. He's limitless. God, because of these things I know, I can take this thing that's on my heart and release it to you. And I don't have to be anxious about anything. First Peter chapter five and verse seven says, casting all of your care on him for he cares for you. I love how the expanded version of the Bible says, it, it says, give all your worries to him. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares about you. Now, there's a problem. Again, if I don't have faith in his love for me, I don't have faith in his ability. I don't have faith in my new identity. I don't have faith in his promises and I don't have faith in his agenda. It becomes a problem to cast my cares because I don't know him yet. And therefore, I can't be full of joy. And maybe we've located the problem. I've got to spend time with God, developing with God in relationship with God so that when I have an issue, I'm not in doubt as to whether or not he loves me or he's for me. I know he is. I'm not in doubt as to whether or not I'm in his will because I'm here because I'm here on divine assignment, which means he's got to take care of me because I'm a kingdom citizen and the king takes care of his citizens. See, when you are a rogue saint, you don't have that as a confidence. But when you are on assignment, so when I'm having an issue, God, I cast that on you. I'm not going to worry about it. Ain't no need both of us being stressed out about it because you don't sleep, you don't slumber, so I might as well sleep while you're working. Now, he says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, make your request be made known unto God. And then he says, verse number seven. When you do these things, he says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep, thank God, the peace of God shall keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. <clears throat> he says, when you cast your cares on him, he says, I make an exchange for that care and I'll give you my peace. He says, when you decide to carry it, though, then you won't have peace. And when you don't have peace, then you won't be walking in moderation amongst people because you're going to be stressed out. You're going to have issues because you are not confident in his ability. You're trusting in your ability to make things happen. Now, let's keep going. <clears throat> Verse number eight, he says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, 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 uh, if there be any strength, we can say it like that as well. If there be any praise, he says, think on these things. Now, I always find that fascinating, okay? Verse number seven says, in the peace of God which path all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds. But then he flips back around and says, I need you to concentrate on what you're thinking about. <laughs> need you to think about what you're thinking about. He says, finally, brother, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are, he said, I want you to notice you got to choose what you think about. I choose what I meditate on. It must be that, notice that the heat or peace does not necessarily mean that you won't feel the heat that's around you. That he can release his peace, but you'll still feel the heat up there. And you've got to make a determination what you're going to meditate on. Because staying at rest has, must have to be a choice as an act of your will or it's something that, that doesn't necessarily just stay there because he's released peace to you. 
You can have peace one moment and decide to take the care back up and start to meditate on it, trying to figure out what you're going to do, how this is going to work. Next thing you know, you move from peace back into restlessness. So he says, think on these things. You got to protect what you think on. You got to protect what you meditate on. He says, I need you to start watching what you are meditating on. Choose what to keep your mind stayed on, as old folks says. Bible says, Isaiah 26 and verse number three says, thou will keep me in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And then, see, most of us, see the old church, we say, he'll keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. And they miss the latter part, he says, because he trusts in thee. Because he trusts in thee. Turn with me, if you will, as we take a quick journey over here to Jeremiah chapter number 17. We're going to go back to Philippians in just a second. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter number 17. I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. Jeremiah chapter number 17. The scripture says, verse number five. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from God. They are stunned and shrubbed in the desert without, with no hope for the future. They will live in barren, the barren wilderness and, he says, and in uninhabitable salty land. He said, those folks that don't trust in God, those folks that put their reliance singularly on themselves, he says, those people are going to have a rough go at it, essentially is what he's getting at. But he says, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to compare this. Now, notice he says, verse number seven, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. He says, for those people, he says, they are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered, notice it says here, by the heat. So it's not that the heat is not present, but they're not bothered by it. He says, it's not that the situation has, 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 has in other words, it, 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 we're talking about doing a time where it hasn't gone away fully yet. That heat is there, but he says they're not bothered by it because of their root system. Their root system, I submit to you, is what Paul is saying, count it joy or walk in joy or be rejoiced in the Lord. Be full of joy. The roots is what allows you not to be bothered by the heat, even though the heat is very present. He says such trees are not bothered by the root or worried by the long months of drought. So they're not worried at all by the fact that it ain't rained here in a long time. Oh, I don't see anything happening yet because of the root system. Notice it says their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. 
even when they are going through a drought situation, even when there's an issue, even when there's circumstances, they are still producing fruit, even though they've not been, by all intents and purposes, been nourished themselves because of the root system that they have. What does the root system have to do with this, Reverend? Because you got to watch what you think on. What you think on is what gets on the inside of you. And what gets on the inside of you will produce fruit of righteousness or fruit of worry and distress. Let's go back. Verse number. Let's go back to Philippians. Back to Philippians. Back to Philippians. Amen. Verse number nine, it says, those things which I have learned, he's saying again, or he's saying before here, which I've learned and received and heard, he says, um, and heard and seen in me, he says, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. So he says, notice I'm telling you, rejoice in the Lord or be full of joy. I'm telling you that you need to cast your cares on God. He said, I'm telling you, you need to watch what you think. And he says, these things, I'm not just telling you, you've seen me do it. Now he's saying to y'all, do those things you've seen me do. I'm not telling you something that doesn't work. I'm telling you what I know. Verse number 10. Then he says, but rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last, at the last, uh, at the last of yours, let's drop down if you will. He said, no, let's put it together. Verse number 10 says, but rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of, of me has flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lack opportunity. And then he says, I don't speak in respect to want, but it says, I have learned whatever state wherewith to be content. So he says, essentially, he says, I'm giving you what I do. He says, I'm showing you what I do. I'm full of joy. I cast my care, so I give it to God, and he gives me peace. When he gives me peace, I have to start making sure I govern what I meditate on, and you should do the same thing. This is what Paul says. And then he says in verse 11, when I've told you these things, I have learned, I've just showed you how I learned this, how to operate in peace, how to stay content. And I submit to you that what he's essentially saying is that contentment is not natural. It's supernatural. How I practice this area of self-governance in my life or self-control. How I stay in peace because I got to choose what I think about. I got to choose to stay in joy. I got to choose to release the cares of issues on God and not keep them at the house. So he says, I've learned to be content. How so? Because I've learned that the secret of contentment that we're talking about is that contentment is supernatural. It's supernatural. The Bible says that the fruit of the spirit, that one of the fruit of the spirit is self-control in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. And then we understand that self-control literally means uh, another Oxford definition. I like these today. The word self-control means the ability to control oneself in particular of one's emotions and desires, especially in difficult situations. Self-control means, let me say that again, it is the ability to control oneself in particular, in particular to one's emotions and desires, especially, especially in difficult situations. Self-control, self-control, fruit of the spirit, self-control. I have got to get to the point where I am not moved by everything. But I say, no, I'm going to pull my emotions back. And I'm not going to freak. I'm going to pull them back. And I'm going to stay content. 
Well, how do I pull my emotions back and stay content? Full of joy, casting your care, casting my care, receive his peace. When I receive his peace, that would, and I govern what I think about, I can stay in this area of staying content. Contentment that we're talking about this morning is supernatural. It's something that God gives you through peace. But governing it or watching this or watch this is staying guard to make sure I stay at peace is on you. So I got to be just like a soldier, just, just like somebody that's standing guard outside of the fort, walking back and forth, being sober and watching and saying, no, that's not getting in here. That can't come in today because in here, we're going to stay at rest. We're going to stay in contentment. We're going to stay in peace. So I got to keep all that other stuff out. I see it coming. Hey, turn around. You can't come over here because I got to guard my heart with all diligence. Contentment is not natural. We're talking about a supernatural contentment that comes from God when you receive it from him. Now, I'm a little bit over the place. Number two, watch this. Contentment, therefore, is rooted in steadfastness. Contentment is rooted, therefore, I say, in steadfastness. Hold on just a second. Let's look over here at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. And verse number 57 says, But thanks be to God, which gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brethren, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. He says, But thanks to God, which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, all right, what is that? Joy. That victory comes through Jesus. Our victory comes from our relationship with God. Joy. He says, therefore, because we know we already have victory, he says, therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast. He says, because you know, even when you are facing something, he says, victory already belongs to you. And it gives you joy because even though it might look bad, he says, I understand that. He says, therefore, he says, be steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. He says, make sure that you're always abounding in his work. Notice this, the Spanish says, so my dear brothers, my dear beloved brothers and sisters, stand strong. Don't let anything move you. Always give yourself fully to the excel or to and excel in the work of the Lord because you know that your work in the Lord is never wasted or useless or in vain. Whatever God told you to do is never useless uh, thing that God's telling you to do. It's never vanity. See, God doesn't deal in vanity. People do. So whenever God says, even times of rest, he says, there's a purpose for the rest. Times of work, there's a purpose for the work. There's a time for everything that God's placed within your heart. And God says, if you learn how to trust and lean on me, then I'll show you how to connect the pieces. He says, but I need you to be unmovable. I need you to be steadfast. What he's talking about in the relationship that we've already established. Number three, watch this. Contentment does not mean, it does not mean put up with. You know, that's not what contentment means. I just got to put this up. See, Reverend, I'm putting up with it. <laughs> that's not what contentment means because 1 Timothy chapter number 6 verse 12 says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold to eternal life. Well, what does that mean? 
stay in victory. But to stay in victory is going to take something from you. It's going to be a challenge sometimes to stay in victory. Once again, he wants you to get this notion or this picture of a guard outside of a fort, going back and forth, watching. That means you're working. To fight the good fight of faith means I got to watch and make sure for the gates, making sure that nothing comes through the other side, nothing gets on the, this side over here, nothing moves me away from victory. So that is what it means to fight the good fight of faith. That means I don't put up with it. So when the devil says this ain't going to work, this ain't never going to come to pass, this is never going to be, you got to fight the good fight of faith. Open your mouth, which is the sword of the spirit, and put those thoughts to bed. Keep your faith on the field. Number four, watch this. Contentment is, therefore, I say, resting. Contentment is resting. You cannot rest without trust or reliance on God. Contentment is resting. Now, number five, watch this. Contentment is also found in your joy. Contentment is found in your joy. Now, notice over in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, These things write we unto you that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. Now he's principally talking about one thing, but we're going to extrapolate that this morning. One of the reasons why we have the word of God is so, bit, so the more understanding you get concerning the word of God, the more your joy is full. The more you begin to know about your God, the more you begin to know and understand about the relationship that you have with God, then yeah, even when things don't make, make sense, you trust the relationship. Number five, and this is where we're going to close. Notice this, the end of contentment is always, it is always great gain. The end of contentment is always great gain. First Timothy chapter six and verse six says, but godliness with contentment is, is great gain. Now that's good, but look at this, check this out out of the Amplified. It says, but godliness actually is the source of great gain. And we just stopped there. Amen, brethren. Godliness is the source of great gain. And that, that's, that's one area. Yes, amen. But he says, when accompanied with contentment. Well, what contentment? That contentment which comes through a sense of inner confidence based on the sufficiency of God. When he says one of the areas of the formula for success is this area of self-control, alert discipline. There is no way we can have this discussion without having this discussion in regards to you deciding to be content. Now notice how Paul finishes up this area of scripture. He says back in verse number uh, 12, Verse 11, once again, it says, Now that I speak in respect to one, I have learned in whatever state I am in, therewith to be content. He says, verse 12, I know how to abase and I know how to abound. In every, he says, everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I know what it's like to be up. I know what it's like to be down. I know what it's like to need some things. That I know what it's like to have an abundance. This is what it's like to be a Christian. This is not an unusual thing. That yeah, maybe you're going through a season in your life where you're having some lack. God says, all right, I need you to move to this area of contentment. I need you to get to a point that you internally are not up and down based on the circumstance. But you are moved to a position where you say, no, I'm good. 
I'm good. I'm, I don't know how all this is going to happen. I don't know how this is going to come to pass. I don't know how this is going to fit together. But I'm good because why, Paul? Verse 13. I can do all things, not in my ability, but through Christ, which strengthens me. When Christ becomes the one that strengthens you, then that's what gives you the ability to get to the other side. Once again, this contentment we're talking about, we're talking about something that's supernatural because everything starts with joy. And when we talk about joy, he's talking about the exchange of, of that care that's on your heart. He gives you supernatural peace. He says, watch what you're thinking about. And he says, you can move into this area of contentment because when I'm up, I know that God is the one that brought me up. But when I'm down, the God that brought me up last time can take me up again. And so I'm not moved by all the other stuff. I'm not moved by the external stuff. I've learned like Paul to say, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm not going to be moved by that. I'm not going to let that govern my thinking. I am going to stay at this perpetual state of rest, not because of me, but because I can do all things through the Christ, the one that strengthens me. And I take control of these areas that want to get, fear wants to go and say, come this way. You say, no, I'm not going that way. I'm going to govern my emotions and stay at rest. Uh, my peace wants to get disturbed. He says, no, 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 no. I'm going to govern what I do and stay here. Something wants to pull you that way. No, I'm going to govern and say, no, I'm not going that way. I'm going to stay here. This is what self-control looks like, that I'm not moved back and forth, but I can say, no, no, I know everybody's freaking out, but for me and my house, we good. Let's pray. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, we bless you for this opportunity have gotten into your word on this morning Lord we just thank you and we give you praise we roll the cares of our very lives on you Lord because you are our God and you are our king that gives us confidence to rest because you're omniscient you all knowing that means when I don't know everything, we know you do. <laughs> and because you know everything and you are not just God, you're not just king, but now it's personal. God, you're my father. We thank you, Lord, that all is well. That you always cause us to triumph in Christ Jesus. So we will not be governed by the external, but we'll be governed by who you are and the relationship that we have with you through your word. And so, Lord, we give you praise and we give you glory that we will always be fruitful, even in the midst of famine, because of the deep roots that we have, that we make you our trust. And so, Lord, we just give you praise and we give you glory that all is well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, amen, it's giving time. One quick scripture. And uh, because of, you know, we, you know, y'all know all the other scriptures, so let me give you this one. <laughs> 
Psalms 119 and verse 89 says, Forever our Lord, oh, I'm sorry, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Verse 90 says, Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. Well, Hebrew tells us that he upholdeth all things by the power of his word. You know, when we're having issues or when you're going through some things and things are happening, you always got to ask yourself, what do you believe about the word? What do I believe about the word? For a lot of people, one of the things you may discover is you don't believe much about it. Hebrews 1 and verse 3 says, being, well, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the power of his word. When he has by himself purged our sins and sat down on the right hand of majesty on high. You know, one of the things, again, what do you believe about God? One of the reasons why the area of tithes and offering comes up, and it comes up routinely, is because God is always putting us in a position where he's wanting to see, who do you trust? Do you trust me or do you trust that check? Do you trust me or do you trust that job? One of the things I want to admonish my members here is that make God first. Well, making God first means that you will set a priority for the house of God. Now, if I can set a priority to go to work, and I can't set a priority to come to church. You don't think God don't see that? Church ain't that important. I got to get up now. You got to understand. I got to, I got to do all those things I need to do because I believe the job more I believe God. I don't make an investment in church. I don't go to church. Well, you know, if I, if I don't set my clock, you know, it's all right. If I don't do this, it's all right. But now if you don't set your clock to go to work, now you're concerned. Why? Because you might lose that job. You lose that job, you lose the money, and you lose that money, which means I lose my ability to make my ends meet, which means my trust is not in God, it's really in the job. And one of the things that God always is looking in our lives because this, see, this church is a little different because, yeah, we expect you to live something here. Where's God in my calculations? Now you, everybody, you tell folks that well, the Lord is first, but when I look at your agenda, when I look at your calendar, is God really a priority? When we look at your bank account, the things that are close to you, is God really a priority? Oh, well, Reverend, you ain't supposed to be looking over there. Exactly, but see, you can't hide before God. And then see, the issue is you're not taking the time to strengthen yourself with joy and learning about God when the pressure is not there so that when the pressures of life show up, you don't have a relationship that you can fall back on. Because now you don't really know if God can meet your needs because you didn't take him at the times when there wasn't a pressure. You didn't take him at the times to go to church when there wasn't any issue. All I had to do was get up and go. That the word of God would be there when I get there. You know, the word that I didn't study all week. The man or the woman of God, whoever's ministering the word, would just be serving it up. All God says is, get your high parts to church. And yet, when you're going through an issue, you say, Reverend, pray for us, pray for us, Reverend. And God's like, well, well. The reason why even with your reverend, with pastor praying for you, you don't believe it is because you haven't built up your relationship yet. We're given this concern. What's God doing? Establishing the pattern of relationship with you.
you can trust me. So when that job ain't there, I'm still there. I'm your God and I can still provide even if you don't have that job. But if you don't ever develop in that relationship with God, there's always going to be this struggle and there's going to be this vacuum in this void. You just figure, why is other people, why they seem to be prospering other folks? Because they took the time to develop their relationship. The question is, will you? That's for all my members. Amen. Praise the Lord. Three ways you can get to the training center. <clears throat> One way is by way of our online giving, www.thetrainingcenter-church.org. Second area is by way of our cash app, dollar sign, 1TTC. Last but definitely not least is by way of our P.O. Box number, the Training Center, P.O. Box 2358, Gastonia, North Carolina, 28053. And of course, you're getting here live and in the house. Our church is not in a position right now where we have people here during the week, which we will one day, where you can just drop it by anytime you want to. But all you have to do is let us know. And of course, you can drop your tithes and your offering at the church as well. You know, all these ways are received in uh, this ministry and we thank God for your obedience in sowing and giving where God tells you to sow. You're indeed helping to make it happen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. While you're doing that, let us set ourselves in agreements in regards to the seeds that are being sown and those that are being sown online as well. Father, we give you praise and we give you glory for this opportunity to prove that we trust you. We have trust in your ability to place our trust in the fact to show by illustration, by demonstration, the fact that you are our source. So therefore, where you tell us to sow, that's where we're sowing. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, as we are obedient kingdom citizens, Lord, we thank you that the windows of heaven now are open over our lives because we're by obedience. But you're dear God, we are cheerful, prompt to do it, give us. We thank you that all grace abounds towards us, that we have sufficiency for all things. All needs are met over and above the needs of this ministry, and we declare all needs met over and above the needs of every member and every partner of this ministry in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we put our confidence and our trust in you. And because, Lord, we put our confidence and trust in you, we roll the cares of all of our needs on you because your hands are big enough to take care of every partner, every member in this ministry. So we give you praise and we give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, everyone did say amen. Praise the Lord. Well, as you need personal prayer ministry, you may be dismissed. May God put you in the right place at the right time this week. In Jesus' name, amen.